We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2 and verses 19 to 30. Got to uh, watch a little bit of the Super Bowl, uh, and uh, uh, I was kind of rooting for Ray Lewis to do well, to win a Super Bowl. Uh, and then I, I heard uh, also that he'd had some issues with his past, and uh, so I heard some people say, well, I don't want to see him win anything. And, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of times in our lives, we have people that maybe do great things, but then there's a disappointment. You know, there's, there's a lot of times that uh, we look for those heroes in our lives, and um, it seems like there's not a whole lot of them around. Well, we're going to talk about a hero today, a regular, ordinary guy that God used uh, to work in, in, uh, in serving God's church. And, and I think it's important for each of us uh, to uh, have these people that we can look up to, and imitate. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Uh, but it, Timothy was a servant that God used. Um, he, he was saved on one of Paul's missionary journeys, and Paul left him there, and he grew, and he was active in the church there, and then he came back through in another, on another trip and found that Timothy had grown, and the, and the church spoke highly of him, and, and he began to travel with the apostle Paul. And uh, Paul began to pour his life into him, and he, he began to get experience in doing the things of God. And eventually, Paul says, hey, I'm, I fought my good fight, I finished the race, uh, kept the faith, but, uh, but now this thing is being passed to you. And so Timothy actually became uh, Paul's substitute. He, he wasn't an apostle, but he was a pastor, and he was used of God uh, in, in a special way. And so um, I believe each of us needs to seek to be that kind of servant that God uses, and uh, we can be, each and every one of us. It doesn't matter what your abilities are, it doesn't matter wh- what, where you are uh, as a person, because if you know Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit lives in you. Uh, I like what Ephesians says, do you not know the power of the resurrection is in you? Uh, I thought, wow, that's, that's something. The power to raise the dead dwells within each and every child of God. We can be a servant that God uses. And so I'd like you to look with me at this scripture uh, about Timothy. And uh, Paul's writing the Philippians, and he's, he's explaining uh, some things about Timothy. He's going to send, eventually, hopefully send Timothy to them. And uh, he's just kind of describing Timothy to them. Look at verse 19. Now, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be encouraged when I hear news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel, in the gospel ministry, like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm convinced in the Lord that I myself will also come quickly. But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and has been distressed because you heard he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick, he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only him, but also me, 
so that I would not have one grief on top of another. For this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice when you see him again, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in honor, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. So, Paul says, I'm hoping to send Timothy to you. I'm keeping him with me for the time being. I'm going to send Epaphroditus, and Epaphroditus is another example of a faithful servant. He said, but uh, I, I want you to understand some things about these guys, that they are uh, faithful servants, and, and God has been using them, and uh, they are going to minister to your needs. So, a servant that God uses. First of all, if we're going to be servants that God uses... We must genuinely care. We must genuinely care. Look at verse 20. I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. Now, can God use people that don't care? Yeah, I mean, if he can use Balaam's donkey, he can use people that don't care. Okay, God can do anything he wants to do. However... I think there's a big difference between somebody who genuinely cares for people and who genuinely cares about the work of God uh, and somebody that doesn't. Somebody that genuinely cares is going to uh, do what God has gifted them to do to try to help the body of Christ. Uh, they're going to do what God uh, has called them to do in, in seeking to reach other people. And so this genuine caring heart um, Paul is describing is he's, he's commending Timothy to them. And he said, hey, look, I'm going to send you this guy. I want to tell you something. He, he truly cares about the people of God. Uh, how would you like to have that, that said about somebody? Somebody's going to come, and he's going to really care for you. He's going to love you. He, it's not going to be just filling a, filling a job or, or uh, going through the motions. He will genuinely care. Uh, this is the type of person we all want to have minister to us. Uh, and we all need to be, because guess what? People out in the world, have you ever heard the statement? They don't know, excuse me, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, and as we show love to people, as we genuinely care about them and seek to reach them uh, with the love of Jesus, um, people will notice that. God's people will be blessed by you as you genuinely care. There's something about somebody who loves you that can make a better, a bigger impact on your life than somebody that doesn't. Uh, you could probably think of some teachers in your life that made a difference in your life, maybe taught you some great things. Uh, I, I can think of teachers that taught me great things, but, you know, there's a few that really stand out in my mind because I knew that they cared about me. Uh, and, and you remember things, and you're, you're motivated by, by sometimes by these, these teachers uh, or friends or, or mentors that you have in life uh, that, that pour their life into you because they care about you. And, and some of the most impactful things that I've ever had happen in my life have happened because somebody cared for me. Um, I think of Rodney Williams. He was the director of missions uh, for the Hunt Baptist Association in, in Greenville, Texas. And uh, he took an interest in me. Uh, I was... Uh, pastoring my first church, and uh, really I was going to school, so I had no time. I, I, didn't, I wasn't involved in any of the associational activities at all, um, and, you know, just, just basically was pastoring my church, and, 
but uh, God must have laid me on his heart or something because he, he began to take an interest in me. I remember he came and he visited the church and uh, wrote me a note that following week and said, uh, uh, really enjoyed your message um, and, uh, you know, and enjoyed being there with you and just kind of encouraging me. And then uh, about two weeks later, he came again. And then he followed up. He, he, he uh, had his secretary call, and, and he's, she said, Rodney would like to meet with you for lunch. And, and so I said, well, sure, you know, let's set the time, and we did. And, and I met with Rodney, and he began to, to kind of share with me about his church that he, that, that he pastored when he got out of seminary and about the importance of, of prayer and how prayer made a difference in his church. And I'm still talking about it. Uh, I think of another person that God sent into my life shortly thereafter, a fellow by the name of Bill Dickey. And he was he poured into and it was a very close friend, uh, and and God used him mightily in my life. But you've got people like that too in your life. People that genuinely cared, that took time for you. I, I remember Bill told me one time, he said, uh, he said, if you ever need to talk, you ever burdened about something, just need to get it off your chest, come by my office. He was he was a uh, digestive disease administrator, okay? So he administered these doctors and everything. Uh, and uh, But I'd come in his office from time to time. We'd sit and talk. We'd pray. And and God used him in my life in a profound way. Uh, but he cared. He said, hey, I'm willing to spend time. I'm willing to invest in your life. And all of us have had people like that uh, in our lives that cared. Um I think of um, a fellow named uh, uh, Sergeant Bryson. Uh, he was my sergeant in charge of, uh, of me while I was on hazardous waste duty in the military. And uh, he, he began to uh, share with me some things. And he was going through some marital difficulty. And you don't know him, so I can, you know. But, but he, he, uh, he began to share with me and uh, just opened his heart up to me. And I just listened. Uh, and uh, and I'd been pray. He didn't know I'd been praying for his salvation, uh, but God just built that bond there just by simply taking that time to listen. Sometimes you can show people you care through listening. Uh, sometimes I've not been ready to listen. I don't know about you, I, but but ask God to give you that heart uh, to genuinely care about people. To let that be evident in your life that you care. Take time, uh, maybe financial resource from time to time, and invest in the life of other people and genuinely care about them. God will use you. You will be a servant that God uses if you have that heart. So first of all, genuinely care. If we're going to be a servant of God, we must genuinely care. Secondly, if we're going to be a servant of God, we must genuinely seek Jesus' will. Look at verse 21. All seek their own interests. All you have to do is turn on the television and flip it to a, a news station, and you can see that in action. All seek their own interests. I kind of like to watch the one where the fireworks start, you know, where they one of them kind of starts yelling at the other one, and then the other one starts yelling, and kind of, you know, it's a back and forth, and if they're saying some intelligent things. But anyway, um, they're all seeking their own desire. They've got their, their goal, their, their uh, political agenda. They're all seeking that. That and, and they're uh, arguing with each other. That's human nature. You can see this wherever you go. People seeking their own will. It, Paul says, hey, even in the church of God, he said, this is what I've genuinely seen. 
all seek their own interest. Paul had been around a while. Uh, you know, uh, he said, hey, it's this rare when you see someone that seeks the interests of others. But can I tell you this about Timothy? He does. He seeks the, he seeks the interests of Christ. He seeks God's will. He seeks what's best uh, for the ministry. And so uh, he says, I'm recommending him to you. Uh, he's a person that God uses. Why? Because he seeks Jesus' will. He says, all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. You know what that tells me? If I'm going to seek Christ's will in my life, I'm going to have to make an intentional effort to do it. I'm going to have to pray, God, help me uh, seek your will and not my own. Change my heart. Help me to, to die daily to my own agenda and to embrace your agenda. And so um, Timothy did this. He had a heart that sought Christ's will. Not his own will, not his own comfort, not his, what's, what's best for him. He sought what's best for Christ, and therefore, like, kind of like we talked this morning, he sought what was best for others. When you find a person that truly cares, genuinely cares, as we talked about, and you find somebody that's seeking Christ's will above their own will, that's a, that's a person that God will use in your life. We need to seek to be those kind of people, and we can be. Uh, I like that song, Change My Heart, O God, and Make It Ever True. Um, the, most, the greatest battles that I've had in my spiritual life have often not been those things that I do outwardly in sinning against God, but the attitudes of my heart, the, um, the, the struggles with uh, selfishness. Uh, with, uh, you should say, well, preacher, I'm not selfish. Well, I, I don't know, but I, all of us have a, have a little bit of a, of a uh, well, we all have a sin nature. And so there's a, a tendency to be focused on number one. Um, there's been many times I think I've probably missed witnessing opportunities because I've been absorbed with my own life. I'm just too busy, too, too focused on what I was doing and, and missed that person who, who, if I'd have been listening, the Holy Spirit might have said, hey, why don't you go over there and talk to that person? Uh, set aside your schedule, your agenda, and care about this person, care about my will, my purpose more than your own. And so uh, this is the kind of attitude and heart that Timothy had. He was willing to set aside these things for the sake of God's kingdom and for the sake of Christ and was willing to forsake his own way to embrace God's way. And so, uh, first of all, we must genuinely care to be a servant of God, Jesus. Secondly, we must genuinely seek God's will or Christ's will and thirdly, we must share the good news to be a servant that God uses. I hear people sometimes say, well, I witness through my life. Well, I hope you do. I really hope you do. All of us need to do that. And, and there's too many that say, hey, I go over to such and such a church, and then they uh, cuss and tell dirty jokes at work. Don't do that. Please don't do that. If you do that, please don't tell them you're a member of this church. <laughs> okay? Uh, but, but. Uh, you know, I hear about that all the time. Somebody said, well, you know, I saw it so it worked, said such and such. And then they said they're a member of such and such a church. And, you know, I'm wondering, why, why aren't the good people speaking up and why aren't the bad people keeping their mouths shut? You know, it's, it's like the opposite's happening, what should be happening. But, um, yes, we need to witness with our lives. We need to have godly character and, and to love people. Uh, but there is an importance in what we say. Um, 
Somebody once said, if, there, if, there, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Some people may have no clue in your life that you're a Christian. They just don't know it. You've not told them. Maybe they've wondered and said, boy, uh, you know, it looks like that person has joy that I don't have. But they don't know the reason for it. Unless you tell them the reason, they'll never know. So one way to, one way to open your mouth and, and share the message is just to let people know that you're a Christian. Sometimes that, that in and of itself will spark the conversation. Oh, you're a Christian, are you? Well, let me tell you what I heard. Or you're not one of those, are you? You know, and then they'll tell you what maybe what one of those is. You know, it, it's kind of amusing, really. <clears throat> but it opens up some opportunities for conversation. But make sure you take that step to share what God lays upon your heart to share. Why? Because the spoken word is how God saves people. God has chosen to use the words. Uh, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's the way God has chosen to reach people. You say, well, could God just say, hey, everybody, this is what you need to be do to do to be saved. Yes, he could if he wanted to do that. But that, he's chosen to let us be a part of the process. It's so exciting to think about. And so uh, if you want to be a servant that God uses, allow God to use you in your conversations with people. Now, um, let the Holy Spirit lead you in that. You may want to mention something kind of in an offhand way and just see kind of how they receive it, how open they are to it. Plant some seeds maybe. Share about a prayer being answered or whatever. If, but if God leads you to, there's nothing wrong with going cold turkey. Some, I, I, uh, a few years ago, I had a guy from the Knoxville News Sentinel call me on the phone for telemarketing. And I had heard I had heard before that about somebody leading somebody to Christ on the tele, who was a telemarketer. So I thought, well, I gave it a shot. You know, they're trying to sell me something. I give them something that's really valuable. <laughs> and uh, and so I, I shared with him about Christ, and uh, you know, he was really open to it. He said, "Wow," he said, "Thank you for sharing that with me. I I just didn't know. I had never heard that before, and uh, seemed to be very e- eager to um, to." To think about it more. I didn't actually pray with him that, that, that day, but, but he was very open to hear. And there are many people. Jesus said, open, look up. Not everybody's open, but the fields are white to the harvest. There's a lot of people out there who are open if we just take the step to share. If somebody's not open, that's okay. You can just back off and let the Holy Spirit work on them. Start praying for them. Set the hound of heaven after them. And then uh, after the hound of heaven's been after them for a while, uh, then talk to them, you know, as God leads you and, and see. It, it's amazing. God could do stuff that we can't do. You don't have to argue somebody into the kingdom of heaven. You don't have to have all the answers. The Holy Spirit is more powerful. I heard someone say, if you can talk somebody into being a Christian, somebody else can talk them out of, out of being a Christian. But if God, the Holy Spirit, touches their heart, draws them to faith, and convinces them of sin, righteousness, and judgment, I want to tell you something. What God does, they can't undo. Let God speak through you. Uh, if you want to be a servant that God uses, let your lips speak the truth of the gospel with people. Ask God to make you a soul winner. So, you want to be a servant that God uses? First of all, we, we must genuinely care. We must seek Jesus' will. We must share the good news. And fourthly, we must minister to needs. 
Look at verse 25. I considered it necessary to send you, Epaphroditus, my brother, my co-worker, my fellow soldier, as well as your messenger, and minister to my need. Minister to my need. Guess what? Preachers have needs. There are things that you supply me that I need. There's things that your Sunday school teacher needs from you. I, I, I love, I hear, I hear this all the time. Well, I, I just don't believe we have to worship in church on Sunday. I believe we can worship wherever we are. There's just one problem with that. It's not biblical. It's not true. Yes, you can worship on the golf course. That's debatable about whether you're thinking about worshiping when you're actually out there on the golf course. But, but even if you are, the Bible says that we need each other. If, if the Apostle Paul had needs from other Christians, so do we. We're not above him. He said, Epaphroditus ministered to my need. Some of the, the, the greatest servants of God that God uses in a profound way are people who just serve others. We talked about that this morning a little bit. People that meet needs. Uh, Johnny Hunt uh, shared, shared about his uh, church he went to. He was so poor. He's going to seminary. He just didn't know how he's going to make it. And uh, he, said, uh, he said this fellow comes up to him. Uh, he, after his first service at his church, and he said, uh, he said, listen, he said, my wife and I, we'd always prayed for a son who would go in the ministry, and God never sent us a son that would go in ministry, so we want to adopt you. And, um, and, and so they, they said, uh, well, he said, well, okay. He said, well, what does that mean? He said, well, that means I'm going to give you money, I'm going to buy you clothes, and I'm just going to support you and help you. And so uh, he did. He bought him suits. He bought, you know, went out and did, gave him money. And by the way, I'm not trying to get one of you to do that, okay, in case you're thinking that. But, but, but that's what he did. He just, he just met the needs that were there in his life. And he said, Johnny Hunt said he'd come up to me and he'd shake hands with me. And there'd be a, a $20 bill in there, you know. And, and uh, just God supplied his needs through this gentleman that, that God just laid it on his heart to do it. And so... Um, People that meet needs can be profa- have profound influence for Christ. Think about this for a second. Johnny Hunt has gone on and has reached so many people with the gospel. He's been, a, he's, he's, uh, been involved in missions all over the world. Uh, p- countless people have come to Christ. He's, he's got a special place for pastors who, who are going through trouble. Uh, maybe got run off from their church or something. He ministers to pastors and tries to restore them and help them. And, uh, just so many things. Can I tell you something? That man that met his need had a role in all that. Someday when he gets to heaven, I believe he's going to receive some rewards for all that, that Johnny Hunt did that he made possible through his ministry to his needs. You see... That's the exciting thing about meeting needs. You know, never know what it, somebody might get saved because you met their need and cared for them. Somebody might be encouraged when they're discouraged. They might be lifted up and, and just given that extra something to keep going. When you meet needs, it's a powerful way that God uh, can help you help other believers in Christ. Uh, he did this in several ways. First of all, he was like a brother to him. He says, Epaphroditus, my brother. 
so he, he w- there was a, almost a family relationship there. Then also he says, you're my co-worker. So uh, he said, you work together with me. Isn't that an encouragement? To work together, to have uh, multiple people in the body of Christ seeking to, ac- co- to accomplish a common objective. He said, you work together with me. He said, you fought together with me. Now, it doesn't mean he was fighting with him. But uh, uh, you're my, my translation says you're my fellow soldier. But the Greek word actually says, it's, it's a word, it takes a preposition and, and attaches it to another word. Uh, you're my fighter together. And so in other words, as they fought against the spiritual work of the enemy, Paul wasn't alone. There was somebody with him to come alongside him and to pray for him and to intercede uh, against the enemy and against what, what the enemy was trying to do. There was somebody who, because the Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. So Epaphroditus came alongside Paul, and together they fought the spiritual battle. And what did Epaphroditus do? He met a need. He met a need. Through his prayer, through his support, through his waging war spiritually. There's... I'm going to tell you something. We are in a battle. And the weapons that we use are not carnal. They're, they're spiritual. And they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. What does it take for somebody who has been blinded by Satan to come to Christ? You ever thought about that? The Bible says they've been taken captive to do his will. They've been deceived by the, by the evil one. Uh, people that are lost are deceived by the evil one. He wants them to stay in his kingdom. How do we get them out? Well, we pray them out. We come against the enemy and we pray for God's spirit to convict and, and convince of sin, righteousness, and judgment, to draw them to faith in Christ, to make the gospel plain to them, to cut through the lies of the enemy. We pray and we war against the power of the enemy. Uh, Charles Finney. Uh, was used greatly of God in, in revivals in early America. And there was a man that would go before him, and I just can't off the top of my, name, uh, top of my head remember his name. But he would go to these places a couple of weeks in advance before Charles Finney got there, and, and all he would do is pray. He would pray that God would break down the strongholds of, of the evil one. He would pray that souls would come to Christ, and he'd just intercede so that by the time Charles Finney got there, The place was ripe for revival. He was waging spiritual battle. So Epaphroditus helped meet a need by by joining with Paul in the spiritual battle. That's a very important role uh, in in the church. And uh, he was a a messenger, carried information to to help uh, the church. And uh, even came close to death for the work of Christ, verse 30 says. He was meeting a need. He risked his life to make up what was lacking of your ministry to me. And the, the, it's not, he, Paul's not trying to talk badly about the Philippians here. He's just saying, hey, there were things left to be done. Epaphroditus did it. Uh, he met the needs. And he risked his life to do so. Um, how important was it for people in that day to have somebody come to the prison? You arrested for preaching the gospel? You needed somebody to meet your needs because it wasn't like today where they give you cable TV and three squares a day when you get arrested. 
uh, in those days, you were in prison, you needed somebody to come bring you stuff, bring you food, bring you, bring you what you need. Uh, and if you didn't have anybody, you were in trouble. Where would we be today? We wouldn't have had the book of Philippians had there not been somebody ministering to Paul's need. Paul wrote this epistle when he was in prison. Somebody had to bring him food. Somebody had to meet the needs. And the, many of these people probably aren't in, included in the pages of Scripture. Epaphroditus is one, but many probably aren't included. But can I tell you something? They have every bit as much a role in what God was doing as Paul did. Part of the body. Part of the body of Christ. So if you want to be a servant used by God, minister to needs. Minister to needs. You want to be a person that ministers effectively, a servant that God uses, genuinely care for people, seek Jesus' will, share the good news, and minister to needs. There are still good folks out there. There are people that are doing the right thing with the right heart. Look up to those people. Don't put them on a pedestal because there are, there are human beings. But, but imitate the good things. The bad things just leave, leave aside. <laughs> and follow after Christ. Be a servant that God will use. And the awesome thing about God is he will take ordinary people and he will use us to accomplish extraordinary things by his power. If we're willing, will you be willing? Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the fact that we can be involved in serving you and ministering for you. Father, I pray that you will give us a genuine heart to care for people, both within the church and, and people who are lost. God, I pray for, uh, that we'll seek your will, that, that we'll share the gospel, uh, and Father, that we'll minister to need.